As you know, the On Farm podcast is brought to you by the team at Seen and Heard PR and Marketing. And I just wanted to remind you about a new initiative that's happening here called On Record. On Record is a project to preserve voices, stories and memories for the future with your very own audio recording. So we're recording memories of rural life. We're travelling around Scotland, working with families and organisations to capture precious voices of family members or staff members or long-serving office bearers to preserve those for posterity and sometimes for historical value. So if you think this project is something that you'd like to be involved in and maybe you have a grandparent or a parent that you'd like to capture on audio while you can, please do get in touch. You can find out more at onrecordmemories.co.uk. This summer, On Farm have proudly partnered with the Royal Highland and Agricultural Society of Scotland. Over the next few months, we'll be doing all we can to try and fill some of the sad void left by the cancellation due to coronavirus of the Royal Highland Show. I have gone to the Highland Show since I was a young girl, really. You walk in that east gate and it's the buzz of the people. I first went to the Highland Show with my father when it was at Aloha. As soon as it started to come to Ingolston, I don't think I've missed a year. I can always remember going to the Highland Show with a long list, ready to go to Pony Club Camp, a schooling whip, even though I already had a schooling whip from the previous year, new numnas, new jodhpurs. And then I think as I grew older and I came into Young Farmers, my interest in the Highland Show slightly changed into a more social scene. That's one of the things about the Highland Show is it's definitely an an event for socialising and catching up with people. The people that you meet, that you've known for... Well, in my case, 60 years. Social media and everything allows a quite a bit of interaction and banter at different times of year, but there's nothing better than meeting up face-to-face and a couple of pints, maybe, if that's what you fancy. From sleeping in a caravan, sleeping in the back of a stock trailer... <laughs> you didn't know that, Fergus, did you? Aye. Um, sleeping in the back of a stock trailer with sawdust on the floor. That is actually where I... Didn't meet my husband, but we we got together. But um, we won't share that story right now, especially when my son's listening. What I really love about the Highland Show is basically just seeing my friends. My birthday's just before, so I have quite a lot of money to spend there. I used to go with my son as a wee boy, and he used to be pulling at my my trousers. You know, come on, Dad, get a move on. You're stopping to speak to so many people. Well, now when I go round with him, it's the other way round. He's stopping to speak to people. But I don't pull his trouser leg. I'm quite interested. Although it's uh, June and you're well into like the summer season, that's a lot of people. They've, they've got lambing calving out the way. They've done all their spring work. And you're either wanting to, you're feeling good about the season or you want to try and forget about it. And it's quite a good environment to do either. When I heard the Highland Show was cancelled, I was looking at my holidays I wanted to check the dates and then I went onto the website and saw the message to say that it had been cancelled. Initially it was gutted because it is just something I always go to every year. It wasn't a great surprise that it was cancelled, but yeah, just a big disappointment. Hmm. What about you? I was literally just coming down for my breakfast or was I coming up from feeding the calves? I was coming up for feeding the calves, getting my breakfast and getting ready to do schoolwork when I was told, oh, the Highland Show's cancelled. 
What I will miss is watching the Grand Parade from outside the new members' pavilion, enjoying a refreshment or two with my family and friends. Oh, and the £20 that my dad gives me from my pocket. <laughs> We've got to stick by the rules, haven't we? And it's pretty hard. All the, the officials and the directors and the people who were building up to show livestock and the people who were building up to take machinery there. Such a great shame that all that's... It's not uh, finished, it's just laid aside for a year, we hope. The thing that I'm going to miss, my husband and I definitely are going to miss this year, is just not seeing people. Familiar faces that we're probably not going to see for another year again now, so... And the gin tent. I'm going to miss the gin tent. <laughs> Many thanks to Maxine Kinnaird, Fergus Kinnaird, John McInnes, Vary Adam and Tom Middlemas for giving us their thoughts there. There will be many people who feel just as strongly about the loss of the Highland Show. I'm Anna Davis and we hope to hear from as many of you as possible over coming months. Please tweet us at on underscore farm UK to tell us your own Highland Show or Highland Society stories and we'll try and get you on the podcast. The rest of this episode is given over to hearing about the difficult decision to cancel the show for the first time since Foot and Mouth in 2001. Here are RAS Chief Executive Alan Laidlaw and firstly, Chairman Bill Gray. You know, when the, the virus first reared its head in China um, back in uh, December, June seemed quite a long way away at that point. And I think it, it's probably fair to say that we, we thought, well, we'll have to see how things go. But actually, like a lot of people probably countrywide, we didn't necessarily think what the impact might be at that point, um, simply because um, it was a bit of an unknown and it was, you know, halfway across the world. But um, mm. how wrong we were. When was it then that, that you started to think, gosh, this is actually, there's a real likelihood here that this could impact upon the Highland show? I think once we got into February, sort of end of January and February, you know, while I think we're at pains to point out that the planning for every show starts probably before the previous one, just about, there's no doubt that once you get past Christmas and January, then the whole pace of things starts to pick up in terms of planning and movement towards the show. So I, I guess once we got into February and we started to see the impact of the, the virus across the world, and certainly for me anyway, when it, hit, when it got to Italy and the problems that they were having in Italy, which seemed to escalate really quickly in, in sort of February time, I was starting to have personal thoughts about, blimey, you know, um, where are we going to end up with this? You know, all of a sudden, I guess probably our conversation started to, to turn towards, you know, what what if? At what point, Alan? Perhaps I um, switch to you. At what point did you have to bring people into the boardroom and have you know serious discussions around the table about right, right? You know, this, we've we've got to decide yes or no here. I think, um, Anna, there was, as Bill said, in February there was a developing picture, and um, I think even at the Ret Gala dinner, you know. I was starting to think about what the future for June looked like. Um, most other people at that weren't. They were just excited about the sort of the prospect. So in late February, as Bill says, we were really starting to get concerned and, and we formed our sort of emergency planning gold group in early March. And that's when a small group of Bill, myself, our honorary um, treasurer, John Sinclair, and our senior staff came together and started to have the the sort of unthinkable conversations to prepare for the board and those conversations with Ingleston but then very quickly they weren't we were starting to do our own form of social distancing we were starting to do more calls by zoom and, and whatsapp and 
and ultimately we never actually got the chance to bring the full board into Ingleston House. The final call was made by the board on a Zoom call. I remember Mark Curry, our, our director of ops and lead on the show, taking a photo of that meeting. And I sort of looked at him and actually had a flashback to foot and mouth. I had a real sort of moment to think, actually, this is a really key moment. And, and the sort of art of documenting it with a photo is, is probably appropriate. So that that was on the board decision on the 17th of March. And, and probably the two weeks from the, from the 4th of March, the 17th, when we'd formed that gold group, that's when those conversations with Bill, myself, the senior team and, and others really, really intensified. And yeah, there were some difficult moments. I popped into Bill's farm. I, I took a peace offering of a scone and I'd bought to, to, to lighten the mood. But actually the mood wasn't light. The, you know, we were both looking down the barrels of something we didn't want to really accept, but we knew there was an inevitability. We knew that something was, was coming our way and it was marching pretty fast. And there was lots of political things then happening around us. And, and we had a very conscious decision about making our decision at the right time, making sure it was our decision, not being forced and, and being very aware of our risk profiles. Um, as Bill said, you know, the, the, the pace really ramps up and through March and April, you know, that, that pace just, it's, it's a sort of uh, exponentially increasing curve. And it's also an exponentially increasing curve in terms of expenditure. And if we had delayed much longer, we would have started to spend 200,000 a week on producing the Royal Highland show that was becoming more and more at risk. And as an organisation, as a charity, we, we can't do that. I think there was a lot of discussion around whether we should postpone or whether we should actually cancel the show. Yeah. There's a huge number of factors in and around that of, of lead-in times, the financial impact. Obviously, there's a lot of other shows that go on throughout the year in a normal circumstance. So for us to sort of pin our uh, colours to the mast in September was going to have an impact on somebody else as well. All these sorts of things were having to be taken into consideration. and But ultimately... I think with the, the size of the show, if you think about if we were, let's say, for example, planning a show in, in October at that point, to then put on two Highland shows in the space of seven months is going to be a pretty big ask for the following June as well. So ultimately, uh, you know, the decision was to recommend from exec to the full board that regrettably that we had to actually cancel. I'm kind of imagining this Zoom call, although maybe I can't imagine the Zoom call for, for many reasons. The first one being the number of of squares on the screen would have been vast because of the number of directors you have. And obviously the emotions would have been running so high. Most of my Zoom calls are, you know, fairly kind of run of the mill in comparison. So can you tell us a bit about how the emotions were kind of charged during that call? Uh, absolutely. Um, so I, th- I think the first thing is that th- this was the last time that Alan and uh, Mary, the society secretary, and Mark Curry were together because we were actually at that point in the boardroom and um, correctly distanced, I would say. I think from the emotion point of view, I I sort of got past that in my own mind a little bit because, you know, we were starting to make this really um, correct decision for all sorts of reasons. But actually, once we got to the whole board meeting, and you're absolutely right, we had, I think, 30, I can't remember exactly how many we had, but I think we had about 30 people on that particular call. When your screen only holds 25, and you're having to flick backwards and forwards between screens, that's a bit of a challenge. So Alan and I devised a a thing whereby he made sure he wasn't on the same screen as me, 
sort of anybody put their hand up to speak that we were actually we had spotters if you like to sort of yeah. and make sure that people had the opportunity um, um but really I, I i i guess from my point of view without wanting to make it any sort of a fait accompli uh, which it definitely wasn't uh, my job really was to recommend to them what the exec had recommended uh, and to yeah. talk through the various decision making processes that the exec had taken on board and um, financial timing all that sort of thing and you, it was pretty raw, actually, Anna. I have to say, mm-hmm. um, watching watching the people on the screen, uh, I, I would say one or two probably hadn't ever thought it would happen, um, and all of a sudden, um, reality was beginning to strike home here. Yes, and yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, um, that was tough, um, tough for them, really uh, tough for them. Absolutely, um, absolutely. Alan, you would have been picking up on all this as well, and as as Bill said, you know, you you and he were watching different faces throughout this. So, yeah, what was your kind of perception of what you were picking up at the time? Yeah, I think I think um, the motion that Bill talks about was absolutely there, and and you know, there's I think the challenge across the spectrum was that so many different people were in different places. So Bill and I had been neck deep in this sort of COVID following. We were taking every form of news that we could get. We were researching internationally. And there were other people who were busy lambing and they were just popping their head out of the lambing shed and saying, what's going on here? Um, hadn't really picked up on it, hadn't been impacted. So there was there was quite a curve in, in the board group as such as to where their knowledge of how fast this thing was was moving and, and what we had done as an exercise is to we went through a matrix, a scoring matrix, to try and take some of that emotion out. Uh, and we ran that through different groups. We ran it through the senior management group on two or three different occasions over a couple of days. We ran it through the exec group as well. And we looked at three options, continue, postpone and cancel. And each time as the position developed politically, the scores changed. We were taken in a broad range of factors, health, reputation, finance, mental health, mental health of our own team, mental health of the farming community, of what news a postponement would give, what news a, a cancellation would give. As, as Bill said, he mentioned a fait accompli, and that was really challenging. But it did. It meant that we were able to track the virus and its impact on us as an organisation. And that took a little bit of the emotion out for the decision-making recommendation group, if you like, and then when we got to the board, we were trying to make sure that they were fully briefed. There were some light bulb moments for people who were just saying, oh, right, yeah. And actually for us, it, it was financial risk of continuing to spend 200000 a week on something that might not happen. It was also the pe- people risk. At the time, they were predicting that 80% of staff would not be available to organisations, whether it be through illness or lockdown or, or whatever. And the the intensity of delivering the Royal Highland Show for the team is huge. You know, we don't let people take holidays. People start working, you know, ridiculously long hours to, to deliver that product in May and June. And the risk of not being able to do that and then have the public safety risk was, was huge. And then political decisions started to come into it. You know, the First Minister and First Minister's questions mentioned mass gatherings. You know, the, the number for mass gatherings was much lower than the 200,000 over four days that we sort of talk about. And, and things like that started to change. So I think that's, that's where it, we were taking advice from other show organisations, other major events, um, and just trying to get a picture of what everyone else was thinking. And there was a tightening of the screw at that point. There was a gamble on the curve. People were deciding where their event fitted the government curve. They were tracking which version of the curve people were working to. And that's still happening today in, in May. 
So we, we were taking all that sort of advice, but I think realistically we, we knew that there was very little option, but we had to explore those alternatives. That, that you know, postponement for us um, was something we looked at really hard because actually the Royal Highland Show was really important to lots of different people. And so do you, did you feel by the end of it that everybody was, I, I hesitate to use the phrase on board because nobody was on board, nobody wanted this to happen. But by the time the decision actually came, was everybody in the same place and that they understood the realities and supported the decision, did you feel? I, I would say without a doubt, Anna, that it was a, a, an amazing piece of, of board work, if I'm being honest. You know, we were asking people to make a pretty momentous decision um, without any of the normal contact that you would have around the boardroom and, and that, that all the, the body language that you normally pick up. You know, when I'm, when I'm sitting at the front of the board, for example, and I've got 59 people sitting in front of me, plus half a dozen senior managers or whatever, you know, you're constantly scanning to just sort of get an idea as to how people are reacting to what you're doing. Um, I think what was really good was, and I, I, um, I had... Uh, not mentioned, obviously, the bit that Alan had mentioned about the matrix, uh, the matrix that we had done. I think that was actually a pretty crucial piece of work, um, simply because it, it gave some substance and probably answered quite a lot of the questions that people had anyway, uh, particularly about should we postpone, should we, uh, should we cancel. I think I think by the time we got to there, that particular meeting, I think the thought of continuing was probably, uh, you know, not a reality. Um, but that that postponement yeah, versus yeah. cancellation piece was quite strong. And I think the other thing in the background was that um, people were looking to us to take a bit of a lead at that point as well. I think within the within the sort of community, the show community or, or the, the agricultural community, you know, I think we felt that people were looking at us um, to make a decision. I don't think for a moment that pressurised us into making it at all. And we did it for all the right reasons. No, no. But, you know, there was all, I think in the background, people realised that... Um, the correct decision was going to actually paint quite a, a, a strong picture as to what might happen for the, for the rest of the show community for the year. But certainly from the board's point of view, I mean, it was by the time we finished that particular meeting and we had gone through various of the scenarios and, and we'd had some excellent questions from the board. You know, have you really considered that? Have you really considered this? And, and I would say absolutely to a person. Everybody was, was in accord with, with the decision uh, by the time we finished that meeting, which certainly made it a lot easier from my point yeah. of view and, and from Alan and, and the rest of the team's point of view. But, um, yeah, reality then uh, really struck home at that point. And actually, I, I, from an emotion, an emotion yeah. point of view, I actually have a vivid memory of sort of saying, right, well, I'm sorry, but, you know, that is a decision. And I, and I just suddenly thought, wow, I took a, took a bit right. of a breath, <laughs> I have to say. At that point, and uh, we uh, we in the boardroom, the four of us just looked at each other and said, "Well, you know, I had to thank the board." And we came off came off air, and uh, um, we didn't say much for a couple of minutes, really. You know, I bet, I bet. And 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 what about when you got home that night? You know, what what did you do? You know, in a way, you know, you got things things normal things to do on the farm with your family, but can't have been a normal evening. Um, no, it wasn't. Uh, we also had the, um, you know, we had the issue of, of then delivering a, a message to the uh, agricultural community. So we, we had to sort of record that and make sure that that was right and on point. It is with deep regret uh, and a huge amount of disappointment um, that I have to tell you that the board of directors of the society, given all the information that's now available to us, have taken the decision not to hold the Royal Highland Show 2020. This is a hugely disappointing announcement to have to make. 
disappointing not just for us, uh, for our staff team, for our exhibitors, for our trade stand holders, but also for the public who would normally come and support us in June. Um, a lot of reflection, I think, Anna, would be the right way to describe what uh, that, the, the feelings were that evening. Uh, a bit of pride, actually, in that the board had, had done a really good job and, 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 you know, come to terms with a really tough situation. And Alan, you must have had a similar sense of pride for, for the staff members, because I think you know, people talk a lot about the board, but you have a, a staff team uh, who are fundamental to all of this as well. So their emotions must have been running high too. Yeah, no, absolutely, Anna. We um, we took a moment after the decision in, in the office and, and you know gathered some air and some breath, but the next job was straight down to a staff forum. So um, upstairs in the Highland Hall, where the Agri-Scot uh, debates take place, we quite often hold staff meetings up there, um, and we had the whole staff gathered at a socially distanced uh, way. That's why it wasn't in the boardroom, so they were sort of four-metre spaced across the the room, and, and they didn't know what was coming. We talked a little about, about the impact of COVID and how we would watch it, but you know, I remember one of them asking me on the way up the stairs saying, this is serious, is it? And I said, it's going to be tough. And that's when the penny dropped with him. And that sort of continued over the next 15, 20 minutes as we talked to them. So, yeah, there was a, a reasonable slump in the sofa that evening. Mm, I, bet, um, I bet there was. You know, that, that feeling of, of sort of nothingness, because actually, you know, the, I quite often talk about the roller coaster of the Royal Highland Show. And once it's off and going, you know, you can scream, but you, you have to keep going until the end. And that's the, normally the, the Monday or Tuesday after the show. But this year we were on a different roller coaster and making sure that um, you know we got safely to our destination of, of looking after the whole sort of thing. So yeah, it was tough, but um, you know onwards. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and as you mentioned, Bill, you put together uh, what you know was a very under the circumstances a very good video announcement, uh, which then went out to the public. And so then I suppose you were you were faced with emotions from. A, a, a much wider audience you know you've got exhibitors you've got visitors and a whole host of other people involved in the show how have they been been over the you know since the announcement how have they been feeding their thoughts and emotions in into the society i think i think the the first thing about the um you know doing that that, that video release if you like and i think that that probably it gave it a personal touch which i think was really important for getting that message out there wasn't a particularly easy video to make. I think the first thing that came back was support. You know, because it had gone out on social um, as as well as to the press, um, you know, the social media side of it, and certainly not just from necessarily from exhibitors, but there was obviously a personal element to it as well, which is really quite encouraging. I, I you know, took a lot. I took a lot of support from that, uh, and a lot of friends and family who'd obviously seen it had said, you know, um, can't believe it's happened. But I would say to a greater or much greater extent, um, the majority of the feedback was, you know, you have made the right decision. Yes, absolutely. Um, you yeah, weren't left absolutely. really with any choice. Yeah. Um, because of the timescales, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, and of course, uh, you know, have we ever been proved to be correct? I think we have, um, as, as things absolutely. have turned out. You know, so yeah. um, you know, looking back on it from that point of view, uh, you know, easy to be wise after the event, but comfortable that the decision we be taken at the time were were done for all the right reasons. You know. 
There's 2,000 comments uh, on our different social channels, yeah. and the vast majority, 99% of them, are positive to the decision and, and looking forward to next year. And interestingly enough, as a community, when people come up with negative comments mm. or, or questions, actually quite often it's our members and, and friends and stakeholders and, and trade stand holders and livestock exhibitors that answer those. Um, and that response for the team and, and for the directors has been phenomenally positive. Um, and, and we can only be thankful for that. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, Alan, you know, we've, I think we've all mentioned so far that you know, this was a grave decision, but, but it, ultimately it was proved to be the right decision. And so then attention switches then to, right, well, you know, we're in this situation. How are we going to deal with it? So many people are talking about looking forward to, to the Highland show next year. And, and of course, we all are. Uh, you'll never fill the void that, that, that the four days will leave. Um, but I know that you're working on a number of different things um, to try and give people some kind of interaction with the show, even though it's not physically taking place. So, Alan, I know that's a big question and we could probably be here for weeks talking about it, but can you give us a kind of overview of some of the things that you are working on if they're not currently top secret? Yeah, no, there's there's one or two things top secret. Um, we are very conscious of, of that gap. We're very conscious, even in our decision-making, about the, the, the sort of value that people attribute to the Highland Show, and that's why people are so excited about it when it comes around and, and as disappointed as they are at the moment. Um, but we're a charity, and we don't just do activity through the Royal Highland Show. We've got our Technical Innovation Awards that are running at the moment, and that's celebrating innovation in the same way as it has for you know hundreds of years within the society. We're, we've you know we've looked at various virtual and online opportunities and we're supporting RET and continue to support that education piece and as well as doing all our other wider charitable activities of supporting young farmers RSABI you know if ever there was a time when RSABI and RET both needed support it was now I suppose we're probably operating on two tracks one is the impact on the society as a charity and as a business and the other is making sure we continue our charitable activity. And in terms of what we're doing, we're really trying to support opportunities out there in a different world, in a different landscape. You know, we're not doing things the same as we have been before um, and the return will be very different. And part of the reason we wanted to speak um, with you guys and, and on farm was about developing that. It was about seeing what the, the mood of the community was out there, see what people are looking for and see what people are interested in. But also, you know, there's been some huge innovation across the food and farming businesses in Scotland. You know, their businesses have made changes in the last six weeks that they probably thought would take years to do, and they've, they've done it. And we wanted to celebrate and look at some of those people behind the organisations um, to make sure that we celebrate them, because without being too sort of grandiose about this, this is a pivotal moment in society. It's a pivotal moment in the, in the history of RAS, and we want to make sure that we're supporting our members and our community. Also from, you know, the two of you have been so immersed in this decision-making process, but, but as well as, as having the roles that you have, you're also, and have been for many, many years, visitors to the Highland Show. So on a more kind of um, normal level, what, Bill, what, what do you think will be the, the, the thing that you'll miss most? I, I suppose I'm in a slightly different position, having taken on the chairman's role this year. I'm ultimately missing the ability or the, the opportunity for this year anyway, for this show, to to head up the most fantastic event in Scotland, frankly. And beyond that, you know, hugely um, personally disappointed. I'm, I'm actually, you know, there's so many people 
the first thing that goes in their calendar when they turn it over on the 31st of December is the Royal Highland Show. You know, we shouldn't underestimate um, what the show does for people. You know, there's a lot of people working in much more isolated positions over the, over the last few years where, you know, numbers on, on farms have dwindled and, and staff numbers have dwindled, etc., etc. So for that to look forward to is a massive thing for a lot of people. And that not being there is a bigger hole than simply not just having a show. You know, it's 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 a week out of their lives that they would normally be socialising with other people that they perhaps wouldn't see for the rest of the year. So I'm hugely conscious, hugely conscious that we need to try and somehow rather connect during this year anyway, and and make sure that whatever we do this year absolutely leads on to next year and and, and makes that uh, you know tremendous show for next year. And um, but from my point of view, I mean, Highland Show is is all about the buzz. It's all about the people. It's about the spectacle. You know, to um, come come. Um, uh, foul weather or, or otherwise and I was chief steward of car parks in 2012 so I um, have that one absolutely <laughs> I'll, I'll go to my grave I think with 2012 engraved somewhere I'm not quite sure where you have a, a good tow rope on your in your possession then I'm yeah, sure it, it doesn't even I, I try not to go back to that but anyway um, you know we, we've been through some tough shows <laughs> you know it, it's all about the people at the end of the day you know we can put on fantastic event the livestock speaks for itself the the equestrian side speaks for itself, the trade stands and all the machinery, etc. You know, the, the combined element of the whole thing produces this fantastic four-day uh, spectacle and event. Uh, and for that to be missing from the calendar is, is a massive loss, as, yeah. as, is, as is each individual show and uh, for each individual area as well. Yes, the impact, well, absolutely. The yeah. impact on each individual region, notwithstanding the Highland Show is the biggest one and, and the one that everybody comes to, yeah. You know, a lot of people put a lot of stall by their own regional shows and, and with them missing as well. Yeah, absolutely. It is what it is, you know. Yeah. So, Alan, if, if Bill hasn't covered it all, is there anything sp- particular that comes to mind about what you'll miss on a personal level? Um, there's a huge buzz out of delivering the Royal Hound Show. You only need to see how on fire the team are when we get to Sunday afternoon and, and we start to sort of breathe again after, you know, a huge effort. Um, gutted for the team. They were really shaping an exciting show. We've got some stuff that we hadn't told members and, and um, uh, visitors about, and we were really excited about launching that. You know, and hopefully that's all there for next year. Um, but yeah, there's a real there's a real buzz in the team, real excitement, real pace about what we were doing, really building on on some of the great work done over the last few years. So I'm just gutted for them. Uh, I, I'm worried about people coming out the back of calving and lambing. And their perspective was, you know, we'll get past all this busy spell and we'll go and have a bit of crack and um, camaraderie at the Royal Highland Show, um, and that won't be there for them. Uh, and so it's it's about other people's loss. It's the loss of opportunity for young people and young handlers because they might be too old to be a young handler next year. It's a livestock exhibitor or, or an equine exhibitor who's got their careers pinnacle in the yard and they were excited in December about that, about taking it to, to Ingolston in June and they won't have that chance and, and it's all about lost opportunities and, and that's one of the reasons we want to try and think about the positive and, and also look about where you know where the world is post-Covid, you know what does what does good look like on the on the back of this because things will have changed yeah. so yeah. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there, Alan, because somebody said to me the other day, oh, I'm, I'm really going to miss not seeing this new members building. And I thought, well, that, that's fair enough. And we all, we're all looking forward to seeing that, but it will still be there next year. And yet, as you've mentioned, some of these people stories, you know, whether it's show jumping or whether it's young handlers, they've been building up to this 
the Highland Show will still be there next year, but their lives will be a little bit different. As you say, they might be too old, their horse might be injured, whatever it might be. And it's those people stories that I think are the saddest that, that, that they won't come to fruition. Um, on that, Anna, I think you talked about, um, and Bill talked about other shows, you know, there's there's shows out there that have had really tough spells for a wee while, you know, bad weather and bad runs of luck. And, and you know, Nielsen's show should have been at last weekend and they probably had the best weather they've had for years. And and it's the frustration of the, the effort of the board, of the staff, of the stakeholders, of the members that goes into it and that feeling that it's not able to happen for them. And, you know, the, the, the sands don't stand still for very long. Yeah, absolutely. And as we said, we we can't replace the show. We can't fill the void. But there are there are stories. There are people out there, and and we want to be telling those stories and giving people a chance to shine. So as we progress with the the series of of podcast episodes, is there anything in particular, Bill, that that you would like to see coming out in terms of types of stories and, and things like that? Yeah, I think um, we we touched it. We touched a wee bit on. Um, you know, how people have, have adapted their businesses, you know, for example, you know, their rural businesses. And there's certainly, I, I would really be, it would be really interesting to hear how people have dealt with the difficulty of what they were in. As I can think of one person, for example, who um, had a particular uh, element of his business, uh, which went completely down the, the, the plug when the hospitality sector disappeared. And he switched that into a completely new food delivery business, um, which he never really thought would ever happen, never really considered it, for example. A classic example of, of adapting. And the one thing that, that the one thing that we're really good at as, as an agricultural community is adapting to um, circumstances and changes. It's happened for centuries. So things like that. But I, I think also from the, strictly from the show point of view, I think it'd be really interesting to just to see how people are dealing with the planning that they're thinking about. Okay, so this show's not here. Our local show's not here, so what are we going to do for next year? How do we start thinking about what we do for next year? Um, all those sorts of things. So, yeah, um, I think you'll, you'll be you'll be spoilt for choice, ultimately, I think. And yes. I think in some regards, Bill, that those stories, when you explore them and you give them oxygen, people are blown away by so many of them. Yeah. We talk about the Royal Highland Show and the emotion of, of it being cancelled, but there's huge positive emotions. You know, if you finally get your hands on that piece of silverware that your granddad first won, you know, decades ago, and this has been your career pinnacle, you know, we get people bouncing into the trophy room very upbeat, and then instantly there's a reflection. Actually, this is a career high. You know, when I get my hands on that piece of silver... That is me reached one of my bucket list things. And, and those stories are really powerful. And, and we've got some real glue in, in the society in the Highland Show about those sort of things. And, and I think if we can give some air to, to some of those, A, they're, they're nice reflections. And, but also they remind us that you know what we do is important. It's important to rural Scotland. It's important to the people of rural Scotland. And it's important to, to bridge some of the gaps around food. I don't think people have thought about where their food is coming from more in the last 30 years than they have in the last few weeks. You know, who are the heroes of our food supply chain? Um, and who do you forget about? The livestock haulier who makes sure that the cattle are still getting to the right places to be, you know, the delivery driver. And I think if we can unearth some of those hidden heroes stories and, and celebrate them over the coming months, I'd be really excited about that and really proud of knowing that there's people out there that are fighting on behalf of rural Scotland. Absolutely. I think I think on the on the slightly slightly more negative is that there are some real challenges out there for businesses too. 
And if there are things that people think that by sharing and engaging and, and, and you know, looking at things from a different angle or with the collective support of the RAS board or, or RAS as an organisation, we have to be realistic that you know, life has changed. Some of the things we value and hold dearly might not be with us on the other side of this um, and, and what takes their place and, and how do we be realistic about that. So I think we need to get that right balance around you know the challenges that we're facing in isolation, the challenges that the economy is facing and, and people's businesses are facing. But also as Bill uh, and we've talked about in the past a lot about there's huge resilience, there's huge innovation, there's huge enthusiasm and a huge fight in, in the, the people in rural Scotland and, and hopefully we can find some good gems. Thank you to Alan and Bill and thank you for listening. This is the first of a series of on-farm episodes in partnership with RAS and we want to hear your stories. Next week's episode is all about the extraordinary social connection of the show. So please tell us, did you meet your spouse at the show? Have you got any other great stories? We want to hear about great friends you won't see this year because the show's been cancelled. Please do get in touch with your story. Tweet us at on underscore farm UK.